Mila Kunis will shock you with these four things she says about God. Firstly, the Bible is full of great stories. What do you think about the theme of the Bible? Because it's a very itchy theme for several people. You know? um, I'm not religious and that was okay with it. I mean, I don't think the theme is the Bible. I think it's just about faith and hope and, you know, if, if looked at the right way, that is what the Bible The Bible is just a lot of stories that, that they're supposed to make you a better person and inspire you. It's when you start Overanalyzing it is when there's problems happen, but if you truly read the Bible, it's just a lot of really great stories. This might surprise you, but I actually agree with Mila Kunis. I believe that there are a lot of people in the world right now who are overanalyzing the Bible. You see, God made the Bible, made the scriptures so simple that even a small child could understand it. But hey now, I do disagree with Mila Kunis on this point. The Bible is not just full of a load of great stories, it's full of a load of great true stories. You see, my experience from speaking to people for the last decade on the street has been this. People will believe anything but the truth. Listen to this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. If you're not a Christian, can I ask you this question? Do you feel that Christians like myself are constantly preaching to you our message? Well, if you believe that, may I gently just say this? It's not just Christians who are preaching a message. Non-Christians also preach their message. Oprah Winfrey, what's her message? The universe will save you. Elon Musk, what's his message? Technology will save you. Jeff Bezos, what's his message? Money will save you. What's Richard Dawkins' message? Science will save you. Greta Thunberg, Mother Nature will save you. Beyonce, music will save you. Kevin Hart, laughter will save you. Everyone's got a message. And yet, when we say our message is that Jesus Christ on the cross died for sinners, that's the only hope we have. How do the people of the world respond. They say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How can a man, a carpenter, 2,000 years ago, bleeding there, dying on a cross, how can that save anyone? And yet the Bible says everything hinges on that moment when Jesus Christ cried out, it is finished. I've paid the price for sinners. And if you think that the cross of Christ doesn't make any sense, did you know this? You're actually described in my Bible. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Okay, number three, life is fleeting. But I think, do you, do you ever go to graveyards and, and think, oh, it's life is so fleeting? And you should like- I guess so. Hey. Like, do you ever think about death? Like, what, what do you think happens after you die? You die. Yeah, well, I know you die. You don't, you don't die you again. You stop breathing. Well, yeah, I know the physical, the physical, but what about the metaphysical? What do you think happens to your, your thoughts and your... Do you believe in God? A number of years ago, I was sat in my mother's garden and we started talking about age. And I remember, I'll never forget it, she looked at me very solemnly and said, you know, Joe, I blinked and I was 50. I wonder if there's anyone watching this video now who can say those same words. The Bible says, as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Life is so brief, 
Today we have strength, but tomorrow we'll be frail. And when we look in the mirror every single day, we're reminded that we're decaying, that we're not getting any younger, and life is running on faster and faster. Can you think of any sports star that's able to play on into their 40s, their 50s? No, their best years are their 20s and 30s. And then when they've done everything they can for their team, they're discarded and usually quickly forgotten. Many men and women pour all they can into the corporation or the company they work for. And then when they reach 50, 60, there becomes a great pressure for them to retire because they cannot keep up with the fast pace of this ever-changing world. My dear friend, you do not need me to tell you that you're fragile. And in a hundred years time, every single one of us will likely be forgotten. But if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we lead others to him, the Bible says we will shine like the stars forever and ever. Can I ask you, have you committed your very brief life to the eternal God of this universe. But hey now, did anyone else notice that when Craig Ferguson, the interviewer, when he really pressed her with this question, what happens after you die? Did you notice what Mila Kunis did? She changed the subject. What did she say? Do you believe in God? Now I could be really wrong about this, but I do wonder, did she use that particular question? Because on her mind she was wondering, well, yes, what does happen after I die? If God is real, then I'm gonna face him. And if I've rejected his son, then what these Christians seem to teach means that I'm in big trouble. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I do believe that every man, every woman has a conscience and we like to try and suppress our conscience. We either like to make God very, very small, very insignificant, this nice old grandfather in the sky, or we like to dissipate God completely and say he doesn't exist at all. Because if we get rid of God, we then get rid of our accountability. And that means that there's no eternal judge who will face when we die. I mean, think about this. If you're a bank robber, would you buy a house next door to the the chief constable of your town. Of course you wouldn't, because you get found out. And likewise, the sinner who has not yet put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they want to say, I want to run as far away from this police officer. I want to run far away from this judge because I don't want to get caught. In fact, some go as far to say the police officer doesn't even exist. That brings us on to number two, the second coming of Christ. Do you Memory. believe in God? Yeah, I think I do. What about you? I don't know. I think I don't know is a better answer. I don't know. I can honestly say I don't know. Yeah. I think I believe in something. I don't think that we are the center of the universe. No, I don't think that. Um, I can't tell you about the second coming of Christ or Jesus. That, all that I don't you know. You don't know anything about that. Um, but maybe there's something out there. There has to be. I think that... But I don't know if you ascend up or down. I don't know if I believe in, like, you go up in the clouds if you go to heaven or you go down, you know... That I don't believe. I am thinking wishfully here, but if I had the privilege of standing next to Mila Kunis and Craig Ferguson, I'd probably say something like this. Mila, it's very simple. I know the film that you were in called The Black Swan, which won many awards. Well, just like every swan starts out as an ugly duckling. The message of the Bible is pretty similar. You see, every single one of us is an ugly duckling. But the Lord Jesus Christ can turn us into a beautiful swan. Here's how it works. It doesn't matter how attractive you are on the outside. I know, Mila Kunis, you've won many awards for being the most beautiful woman in the world. And Craig Ferguson, I know many women think you're a silver fox. But it doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. The Bible tells us inside. We are ugly. There's an ugliness that no one else sees but God. We all tell lies. We all have 
wicked, cruel thoughts about people. We stab people in the back. We have fits of rage. We do shameful things in secret and have wicked thoughts that no one else knows about. And this ugliness that I'm talking about, the Bible calls it sin. And on the cross, our ugliness, the weight of that ugliness that every single person has inside of them was placed on Jesus Christ. And Jesus died the most hideous death so hideous that I believe if we saw him, many of us wouldn't be able to look at his body for more than a few seconds. His beard was plucked out. He had a crown of thorns smashed into his skull. He had nails driven through his hands and his feet. He had a spear through his side. He was covered in dust, blood and spittle. And there, the most loveliest person who ever walked on this earth died the most cruel death. But even all of that ugliness of the crucifixion did not compare to the spiritual suffering where God the Father poured out all of his wrath. He put the weight of our sin on Jesus and crushed Christ there so that we might be forgiven. So any man, any woman who somehow expresses this desire, this thankfulness that you died for me, Jesus, thank you, have mercy on me. It doesn't matter what words you say, it's the heart that matters. If anyone is willing to do that, well then God can take that sinner and turn them into a swan, if you like. He can make them beautiful because Christ takes our ugliness, but then gives us his beauty. He takes our sin, the, the rags of our sin and wears it on the cross and he gives us his beautiful cloak of righteousness, his loveliness, his perfect track record and says there you are, that's my gift to you if you're willing to receive it. A number of years ago there was an aristocratic gentleman, a man called Sir Roger Bolton and one day he went to a fair in a place called Colchester in the south of England and he was really enjoying himself, you know at a fair he was eating lovely food, he was watching the jugglers, the clowns, having a great time and then he heard the town clock and a bit like a child would do he counted the amount of chimes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 and as he's sort of standing there thinking am I going crazy he sees another man who's just behind him and he says excuse me sir did you hear that too did you hear that clock chime 13 times and the little man said Yes, I heard it too. I thought I was going crazy too. And Sir Roger Bolter, he didn't think much more of it, but he just wrote it down in his diary. Today in Colchester, the clock chimed 13 times. Anyway, away he went and he went home. And a couple of months later, he's lying in his bed and he hears this voice so loud, so clear. And it says this, go to York, go to York. And he thinks, what's that all about? This is ridiculous. I'm hearing voices in the night. Anyway, he goes back to sleep and the next morning he cannot get this voice out of his head. Go to York. Go to York. So he says to his men, come on, harness the horses. I better go to York. A couple of days later, there he arrives in York and as he gets there, he sees outside of the courthouse, there's a big crowd of people. So he pulls someone aside from the crowd and he says, excuse me, what's going on? What's all the commotion? And the man says, oh, haven't you heard the news? There's a big trial going on, a murder trial, and today is the last day and we all want to know what the outcome is. So Sir Roger Bolter, he follows the people into the courtroom and then he hears this very authoritative voice say this. Do you have anything else to say for yourself before I pronounce you guilty? Your Honour, I am not guilty. I was more than a hundred miles from York. I was in Colchester and I stood there and there was a man next to me and we both heard a clock chime 13 times. If only he was here now, he would prove that I am innocent. 
and Sir Roger Bolter's eyes lit up and he screamed at the top of his voice, I am that man, now I know how I was supposed to come to York. Here, look, I wrote it in my diary. The man is telling the truth, he really was there. And so the judge looked at the diary and there was a bit of whispering and then the judge said, very well. Innocent. Anyway, the little man and Sir Roger Bolter walked out of the courtroom together and the little man looked up at Sir Roger Bolter and he said, You know, there's not a man in all the world who could save me but you. There's not a man in all the world who could save me but you. My dear friend, there's not a man in all the world who can save you but the Lord Jesus Christ. And I beg you today, come to him. He loves you. He wants to save you and he died on a cross going to great lengths so that you might be forgiven. Don't put it off a day longer and come to him right now. And the last thing that Mila Kunis and Craig Ferguson said about God is that God is too big for me. I have a hard time believing that if someone's big enough to create the entire universe he'd be concerned about what food you ate and what day. Yeah. It's not really, that's not really a big picture guy. Right I wouldn't there. think so. I think he'd have bigger things to worry about. Yeah. I believe one of the greatest tragedies in the world is that when we believe the lie that the devil tells us that God is too big, he's too distant to care about our worries. That is so untrue. The Bible says that we are to cast all of our cares on him for he cares for you. God cares about your needs. You might think it's small, you might think it's insignificant, but the Bible teaches us that God leans down, he inclines his ear to listen to the cries of his children. But you might be saying, Joe, I've been crying out to God for years and he's not answering my prayers. Well, there might be a reason for that. There might be a reason that your prayers are getting blocked from heaven. If you want to find out the reason for that, please listen to this message right now. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do. I'd love the privilege of being able to continue preaching the Bible to people like you, because I'm just a beggar showing other beggars where to find bread. God bless you all and thank you for watching.